Евангелие Матфея, 5 глава, 45 48 стих. Matthew 5, 45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. <coughs> Called to perfection. This promised commandment written in the book of Matthew and presented to us in this series of sermons of Pastor Arkady is the inheritance of saints of all generations. And this commandment is addressed by Christ by himself to his students called sons of the Heavenly Father. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge the authority of the person that is sent by God, being a father from God, do not have, the do not have any part in the inheritance and will never be able to have it. The sign by which we need to judge that we are partakers to the sons of peace that is offered, uh, it is offered to them to be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect, is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God. Colossians 3, 14, 15. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. According to the given place of Scripture, the rule of the peace of God within our heart is possible upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God. The character of the selective love of, selective love of God presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture within the light of seven unchanging qualities, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8. The selective love of God demonstrated in the seven unchanging qualities and characteristics do not have anything in common with and cannot have anything in common with the nature of tolerant human love that is filled with egoism, fault, greed, and is, and is just temporary. Unlike the tolerant and egotistical love of man, the unconditional nature of the selective love of God is different in that it has the burning jealousy of God, all his knowledge, and his absolute wisdom that in no way is able to be used for greedy and egotistical purposes and goals of man. Songs of Solomon 8, 6 through 7, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death, jealousy as cruel as the grave, its flames are flames of fire, a most vehement flame. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. If a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. The measure of the love of God is identified by and is known by the measure of God's hatred toward evil and men who do this evil. Hebrews 1.9 You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Only loving what God loves and hating what God hates we are able to demonstrate God's perfection in his reaction toward the righteous who perform good and the unrighteous who perform lawlessness. 
The selective love of God by its unchanging nature in the format of seven supernatural qualities is called to grow us into the fullness of growth in Christ or the perfection that is like the perfection that is inherent to the Heavenly Father. It is the power of the selective holy love of God in the format of seven qualities of unearthly virtue is called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our earthly bodies and clothe that earthly body into the resurrection of Christ, that is, into our new person. In a specific format, we've already looked at the demonstration of the selective love of God in the qualities of virtue, knowledge, self-control, and perseverance, and stopped to study the virtue of the love of God in the mystery of great godliness. Let us shortly remember all of these characteristics and how they work with each other. Speaking of virtue, in the selective love of God, we have concluded the genesis that it is the genesis of all good. This virtue, uh, this godliness allows us to understand the genesis of all good. Knowledge allows us also to see what is good and what is evil and what God sees as good and evil. Long-suffering allows us to choose what God considers good and reject what God considers evil. Perseverance in Christ that flows in all uh, joy in the selective love of Christ is based upon the supernatural ability to see your inheritance or your calling in God with the eyes of God and the ability of Christ to wait with hope the fulfillment of what you're looking at. The discipline of godliness in the selective love of God is presented as the foundation of the gospel teaching together with the great mystery of God. We need to thank God for the redemption, keep ourselves from being defiled by the world, hallow God in our hearts and our souls, and wait for the fulfillment of the promises that God has given. Brotherly kindness in the selective love of God is going from death to life because we love our brothers and the one who loves in loves his brother abides in in God and one who doesn't abides in death love is our coronation and now let's look or continue to study godliness we will continue again to speak about godliness first Timothy 6 3 if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness <clears throat> the doctrine which accords with godliness is specific, again, teaching, doctrine. He is proud, knowing nothing. One who teaches otherwise is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from such. Withdraw yourself. So withdraw yourself again from people who do not know the doctrine with accords with godliness. 1 Timothy 6, 3-4. When you hear these phrases, we need to love everyone. Timothy says, for such, withdraw yourselves. In Scripture, the discipline of godliness in the selective love of God is presented as the foundation of the gospel teaching, a faith teaching, together with the great mystery of God. 1 Timothy 3.16, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Great mystery of godliness, because it's presented in a teaching. Anything that's in a mystery is presented in the form of a teaching 
and is revealed by an apostle. The mystery, that means it's a teaching. We're talking about a teaching, there needs to be apostle, someone who will be able to teach. One who has the delegation of a father from God to us. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, believed up in glory, 1 Timothy 3.16. By demonstrating the fruits of godliness, we can identify the true love of agape in the heart of a person. We already answered specific questions talking about godliness. We have been looking at the fourth question. By what signs do we identify that our godliness is truly collaborating with the godliness of God? God is a godly God, and we are godly. And when <clears throat> our godliness works with God's godliness, how do we revere before him and how he pours out his favor upon us if God's godliness uh, collaborates with ours? And today we will look at one of the signs that are very interesting principles to collaborate our godliness with the godliness of God, and that is to be a cloud of God that is filled with moisture and scatters his light able to turn or able to be turned by his guidance for correction for his land or for mercy job 37 11 through 16. Also with moisture, he saturates the thick clouds, he scatters his bright clouds, and they swirl about being turned by his guidance, that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. He causes it to come whether for correction, or for his land, or for his mercy. Listen to this, O Jacob, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know when God dispatches them and causes the light of his cloud to shine? Do you know how the clouds are balanced, those wondrous works of him who is perfect in knowledge? Do you know the perfect balance of these truths and, the, and principles? contained in this cloud, to be turned by God's guidance for correction or for his land or for mercy is to be a carrier of God's favor and his punishment. You can't be a carrier of God's favor without God's punishment also. You can't be a carrier of God's punishment without a carrier of God's favor. This is one of the fundamental principles by which we need to examine ourselves, that we are partaker and our collaboration of our favor with God's favor. Romans 11.22, Therefore consider the, go the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you goodness, if you continue in his goodness. This is one condition, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off, Romans 11.22. Demonstrating God's goodness and God's severity toward others, we become carriers of his justice and holiness. The phrase where it asks, do you know how God dispatches them and causes the light of his cloud to shine, means that not all clouds are able to be clouds that God turns by his guidance or those who scatter his light, but only those that give God the proper grounds to uh, keep within themselves his revelations, his good revelations. Job's 26, 8, 9. He binds up the waters in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. He covers the face of his throne and spreads his cloud over it. 
and to differentiate the clouds of the Most High, that is, the saints that fear God from the profane to his nature clouds, the pseudo-saints that do not have in themselves the fear of the Lord, it is necessary for us to know what characteristics the scriptures give these profane to God's clouds uh, individuals. And what characteristics do the scriptures give clouds that are turned by the Holy Spirit, which are God's personal possession, and of course are contrary to the profane clouds that are being led by winds of deception. And so those about these it is written in Jude 1, 12 through 13. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn tree without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up in their own shame, wandering stars, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Jude 1, 12, 13. According to the characteristics that identify the profane to God clouds, these are a category of the lawless people that are amongst the saints and that represent themselves as people that are, have godliness but have rejected its power, that are always resisting the category of the godly individuals or people. Our ability to give God the proper basis to fill us with his moisture and our readiness to scatter this light from this moisture and be turned by his guidance is our demonstration of favor toward God, the function to fill us with his moisture so that we can be led by the Holy Spirit and be turned by his guidance is God's favor, which is his response to our toward him favor our readiness to be filled with his moisture, which is our hunger and our thirst to listen to the preached word of truth. And so to test ourselves or examine ourselves, whether we truly are in accordance to the requirements of God's clouds, it is necessary for us to answer a series of questions. What details do the scripture give necessary to be in accordance to the clouds of the Almighty that is filled with his moisture and scatters his light? Second, what purpose are we to fulfill as the clouds of the Heavenly Father that are filled with His moisture and scatter His light? <clears throat> what conditions do we need to fulfill so that God can establish us as His clouds so that we are able then to be filled with His moisture and scatter His light? And fourth, by what signs do we need to identify that we truly are the clouds of the Most High, able to be filled with His moisture, scatter His light, and be turned by the wind of the Holy Spirit for punishment or for His land or for mercy? We know in the New Testament the meaning contained in being a cloud is laconically presented in these words. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, Romans 8, 14. A person is called to be a cloud and to be led by the wind of the, of the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God, Romans 8, 14. Which means that if we are not in accordance to the requirements of God's clouds, able to be filled with His moisture and scatter His light, for punishment or for his land or for mercy, then our sonhood is under question. And so we have these four questions. Today, we will answer two of them. First question, what details do the scripture give necessary to be in accordance to the clouds of the Almighty that is filled with his moisture and scattering his light? We will identify the clouds, uh, identify these clouds in Scripture. 
that are filled with this moisture and that scatter his light. First, the cloud of the Most High is in Scripture a symbol of the glory of God, a place where God abides, and the garments in which he dresses, and the midst from which he speaks. The first principle he clearly shows, Brother Kadi shows, and so these principles that we present, there's many more of them, but for presenting these, then Moses went up into the mountain and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Exodus 24, 15 through 18. The cloud of glory in which God dwells that was over Sinai and in which thickness uh, Moses entered is the category of saints that are led by the Spirit of God in whom there is Christ and that are clothed into Christ. And by this category of saints, God speaks and shows the unsearchable wealth of his glory. This is where Moses entered. This is where he was. He was in us. He entered into us, into this cloud, which was us. Colossians 1, 26, 27. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of his mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, and you in Christ, and you are the cloud where the nation of Israel was afraid to enter, but Moses entered it. Second, the cloud of the Most High is in Scripture the garments or the covering uh, of the sea and a garment of the sea, pretty much keeping it in its place and its boundaries, not allowing it to come out of it. As strange as that may sound, but it uh, holds it in, uh, within its perimeters, within its boundaries. Job 38, 8 through 11. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, when I fixed my limit for it and set my bars and doors, when I said, this far you may come, but no farther, and here your proud waves must stop. <clears throat> and so first, the proud waves that are coming from its midst and that have these barriers of God's clouds are the waves of the corrupt <clears throat> lusts of the, uh, in the body of a person. And so only a person who is born from the word of truth, this person has a cloud that allows him to keep his seas or restrain his seas and put these boundaries for all of these emotions and everything that comes from these seas. And so God, by the means of our new person that is in accordance to his cloud, has put these boundaries and these barriers for the lusts and desires of our emotional aspect being supported by our old person. Our 
And our new person is this cloud that with restrains or withholds this sea of lusts and desires of our emotions. Second, these proud waves that God, by the means of his clouds, controls. He has placed these ba barriers, these boundaries, uh, and these boundaries, of course, are people, of course, that he's also placed in the church. So these uh, violent waves are people also that are not within God's uh, requirements, that are against God's uh, conditions, that are in the churches, these corrupt individuals. There may be a lot of people in the stadium, but it's enough for two people to be there, and they, as the garment, withhold this entire uh, multitude or control, because they can easily go and turn over the government or whatever else they may do to rebel. And we see what's happening today when people, so-called Christians, uh, come to power. There's immediately battle. And that's the place where brother kills brother. That's the most dangerous. This is not a country against country. This is a brother killing a brother. Why? Because people of faith have come uh, to power and are bloody. Jude 1, 13 through 19, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are Grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last times and would walk according to their own ungodly lusts, they are sensual persons who cause division, not having the spirit. In these denominations, if there's even a few people that could be as these garments, uh, could be a barrier uh, that restrict uh, self-activity, that shouldn't be happening. Third, the clouds of the Most High in Scripture are the glory of the Lord that comes from the north. Ezekiel 1.4, Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north, a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself. It shall come from the north, and great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. The symbol of the great cloud that rages fire engulfing itself, a whirlwind, this is our partaking to the body of Jesus Christ because it's on the north side and that's where the offering was killed on the altar, which is why we are a partaker of the body of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, which gives us the right to call on the name of the Lord and to trample uh, the enemy as dust in the streets. 
death of, of the Lord Jesus Christ again that allows you to uh, be united in his death and his resurrection, which is very interesting, not just the death of the Lord, but death for what reason? So that you can unite in his resurrection. So then it will possess this raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it and raiding it out of its midst like the color of amber, a person who has resurrected in Jesus Christ. To be a partaker of the death and resurrection of Christ, we need to build ourselves into his temple. On the southern side, that has a hammered-out lamp and a pure out of pure gold, and on the other side, on the north side, we see there uh, the table of showbreads. Exodus 26, 35. You shall set the table outside the veil and the lampstand across from the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south, and you shall put the table on the north side. We more than once have noted that everything God will do through us, he will do it by the mind of Christ that belongs to the intelligent aspect of our new person, which is a symbol of the golden lampstand that stands on the south side of our spirit. What is this cloud that comes from the north that has light? This is the table of showbreads that was opposite standing of the lampstand. And the lamp was giving light, allowing the uh, table of showbreads to be seen. And you, by going through his resurrection, can then have access to this lamp. The cloud of the Most High in the form of his glory are the saints in whose bodies God reigns, and that's why they have now become a great joy for those on the earth. And also the islands. The Lord reigns, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of the isles be glad. Clouds and darkness surround him, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightning lights the world, the earth sees and trembles. Psalm 97, 1-4. The phrase, clouds and darkness around him are the saints that in whom God has clothed himself. In them, he has clothed, he used them to become his garments and his covering. The cloud has become a covering of God. This is his church. We are his garment. And that in the form of his clouds have become again his garment. Psalm 97, 1-4. And the phrase, uh, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne, and so his saints that are in the form of his clouds, his glory, have, it, have in all three essence of themselves put his throne or formed his throne. And so we know that this throne is his throne of justice and his righteousness. And so what is the glory we refer to here? This is his saints, and he wants to be clothed into this glory. When he was uh, going up, he, he went up in a cloud. And when he meets with the saints, he'll meet them upon a cloud. 
He is bound with the clouds with his saints that have the throne of righteousness and justice, and it's in all three aspects of our essence, our body, our spirit, and our soul. And so the throne of the righteousness of righteousness and justice in the spirit of a person, which is the cloud of the glory of the Lord, which in which the Lord dresses and he covers himself with, is the good conscience of a person. The throne of righteousness and justice in the soul of a person which, which is a person who is God's glory and, and into which God dresses and covers himself is the mind of a person that is renewed by the spirit of his mind. And the throne of righteousness and justice in the body of a person is the rod of his mouth that confesses the faith of his heart, which is the righteousness of God and God's justice. The phrase where it says, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of the isles be glad. People that are the Lord's will be a joy for the people. And the category of saints that by being instructed in the faith have cleansed their conscience from dead works. Because the islands are the category of saints that being instructed in the faith by sanctification have cleansed their conscience from dead works which so that they can serve God. Psalm 48, 2, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. The next phrase is, a fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightning lights the world. The saints in the bodies where the Lord has enthroned himself will trample upon their enemies that consider themselves uh, gods but are actually a synagogue of Satan. Let's see how this cloud uh, is shown upon practice. You are my battle axe and weapons of war. God calls us his garment. God calls us his covering. And now he calls you his battle axe and weapons of war. For with you, I will break the nations in pieces. With you, I will destroy kingdoms. With you, I will break in pieces the horse and its rider. With you, I will break in pieces the chariot and its rider. With you also, I will break in pieces man and woman. With you, I will break in pieces old and young. With you, I will break in pieces the young man and the maiden. With you also, I will break in pieces the shepherd and his flock. With you, I will break in pieces the farmer and his yoke of oxen. And with you, I will break in pieces governors and rulers, and I will repay Babylon and all the inhabitants of Chaldea for all the evil they have done in Zion in your sight, says the Lord. After such a battle axe, there's nothing left in Babylon. And Babylon is a symbol of people who mix the things of men with the things of God and carnal men, lawless men. There are carnal uh, men or men of the flesh may be different, but they're lawless. We see a dangerous and lawless person. <clears throat> Fifth, the clouds of the Most High as God's glory are presented in Scripture as the category of saints that by the law died for the law, which is why their body has become a form of the tabernacle of meeting, where Moses, as a servant of the Old Testament, was able to enter into the cloud of glory that had filled this tabernacle. 
Exodus 40, 34 through 35. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter into the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Exodus 40, 34, 35. The glory of the Lord that comes from the law of Moses is a glory that was not able to justify man because it was called to reveal sin and give it power. But the symbol of the glory or form of the glory of God that filled the tabernacle of meeting into which Moses was not able to enter is the symbol of glory that carries within itself or bears God's justification, Christ's justification. Galatians 2, 19 through 21, for I through the law died for the law that I might live to God and I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live is in the flesh. And so when a person can say, it is not I who live, but Christ lives in me, how can you say something like this if you are in the service of condemnation? But here it says these things, that is not I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, and who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Galatians 2, 19-21. Although upon the face of Moses the glory of the Lord shined, he was not able to enter into the tabernacle of the Lord, because the cloud of glory represented a perfect and different glory that... Uh, prevailed that glory that was on the face of Moses, the one that was upon the face of Moses, would no longer be glory in comparison. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 through 18, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in, his, in this respect, because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face. So he was able to go up to the mountain. The Lord said, go or come here. Here you don't need boldness, here you need obedience. But when the glory of God uh, com comes, uh, he's not being called. He just stands and watches. And there's a fiery furnace. Is there a guarantee you will come out alive? Lord, there's no guarantee because you need boldness. You can only have boldness where there's a service of justification, not service of condemnation. If a person confesses his sins and when he uh, leaves his sins and he confesses them, he leaves them, uh, he can receive justification. It can only be in the tabernacle in the church. Uh, one individual had come to our pastor 
And he... In order to receive justification, you don't need to be God. God's servants do this. They receive God's justification or God's uh, confession. The confessions God receives, uh, uh, does not receive them. Man receives them. The servants of God do. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until the day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as my, by the Spirit of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 through 18. And so you need to be able to reflect what the truth that you read and how is that able to happen if your heart is covered with a veil. And so when you have it in your mind, you can have it in your mind. If it's preached by the person who is sent by God and we receive it into our heart and we confess the truth, I begin to then become, as in the mirror, see openly uh, the veil needs to be uh, removed from the heart and put upon your head. Acknowledge God's authority, his delegated person over yourself. And so when he uh, speaks these words, you receive them into your heart and confess them. Six, the cloud of the Most High is presented in Scripture as a chariot of the Most High so that he can be a stronghold of righteousness in their heart and then establish his uh, kingdom on the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother, Фраза, которая заканчивается данная молитвенная речь или же песня Давида, инспирирована Святым Духом, гласит, Psalm 104.2-35 Who covers yourself with light as with a garment who stretches out the heavens like a curtain he lays the beams of his upper chambers in the waters who makes the cloud of his chariot who walks on the wings of the wind may sinners be consumed from the earth and the wicked be more be no more bless the Lord O my soul Praise the Lord. Psalm 104, 2-35. Revelations 19, 11-15. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was a called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. 
These are the clouds, the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed with, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp, a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Revelations 1911 through 15. <clears throat> and so the question, why were your clothes, all, why are your clothes all, <clears throat> all in red? Because he treaded the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. <clears throat> and Jesus did this upon the cross by himself, and we. Uh, when we die today in Jesus Christ, he is treading together with us. And so we've identified what the clouds of the Lord are. Second question, what purpose are we called to fulfill as the clouds of the Most High, filled with his moisture and, and scattering his light? What purpose do these clouds have? Let's look at these seven. First, the virtue of the clouds of the Heavenly Father filled with His moisture and scattering His light, we are called to be the atmosphere of the glory of the Lord in the temple in which He is or abides. First Kings 8, 10 through 13. And it came to pass when the priest came out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. They came out from the service of, of condemnation and immediately the service of, condom, of justification. Uh, the priests came out again from the service of condemnation so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Then Solomon spoke, the Lord said he would dwell in the dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. Ever. First King 8, 10 through 13. If in the church there are not people that possess the virtue of apostles and prophets that are placed by God to carry responsibility for his church, then this church cannot be a midst or place from which the Lord uh, speaks to his nation. The service of justification is where God's order is present. For, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 20 through 22, for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Here are the apostles and prophets included also. Through us, that means through the apostles. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us as God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our heart as a guarantee. 2 Corinthians 1.20-22. through 22. It is necessary to be in a church uh, where you could be a cloud, where God's order is present. In the temple, there was God's order. There was the service of condemnation. When they came out of that service of condemnation, the service of justification came in. In that uh, thick cloud, and the priests fell from the presence of this great cloud that was there. Second, the uh, clouds of our Heavenly Father filled with His moisture and scattering His light is called to be a great fragrance in all places of Zion. Isaiah 4, 5 through 6, Then the Lord will create above every dwelling place of Mount Zion and above her assemblies a cloud and smoke by day and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all of the glory there will be a covering, everything that the Lord 
regards will be a covering. And there will be a tabernacle for shade in the daytime from the heat, for a place of refuge and for a shelter from storm and rain. Here God calls his cloud as his shelter or a shelter. And we need to regard what God regards. The church, the people of God, God will regard them and he, they will regard him. And so uh, heat in the day is as the cloud of the Most High is a symbol of God's wrath. An absence of protection is an absence of uh, of God's protection for the people that are trying to justify themselves with their own deeds. At the same time, protection from the heat of the day is a fortress or a refuge for people uh, from the rain and from any uh, bad, uh, bad weather, as it were. Those who have received justification by faith in Christ Jesus freely by his grace. And so we, we come into the temple of God and we hear the truth, we confess and we receive justification. The form of the clouds of the, of the Heavenly Father filled with His moisture and filled with His light, we are called to punish all that dare to uh, bother the person that represents a father or is a father from God and who is married uh, to the Ethiopian woman. And here we see that, in the, of course, in the symbol of Moses. Nationalists and racists that, of course, do not exist here need to listen very, very closely. Numbers 12, 1 through 10. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out you three to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. Then he said, Hear now my words, as they were ra uh, racist. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings, and he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from the from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. 
Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. Generally, in this incident, we see we focus on Moses that uh, was confronted by Aaron and Miriam, and because they rebelled, uh, they rebelled because of the Ethiopian uh, woman, and she's kind of left to the side. In this specific event, the Holy Spirit uh, does not mention uh, her name, but just calls her the Ethiopian woman. We can conclude from this that God defended Moses for the sake of his wife that was Ethiopian, that uh, made Aaron and Miriam unhappy. And of course, when we're talking about the wife of Moses, and so now let's look at what an Ethiopian is. First, this is a symbol of the most beautiful of women. As the Ethiopian, this is our spirit or our, our soul. The Ethiopian is our soul that we have lost in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and then reobtained it in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus in a new form. When we raise from the dead in Jesus Christ, our soul becomes the rod of the Most High that had performs miracles and signs that is focused on delivering us from the power of the old person and lead us into the land of Canaan. And second, the symbol of the most beautiful of women as this Ethiopian is the bride of the lamb in the form of the chosen by God remnant that has received upon the condition of the most high justification freely by faith in Jesus Christ. And after confessing the faith of God that abides in her heart, she has turned the prophet for salvation, which gave her the ability to perform righteousness and stand upon the boundaries of holiness. The Ethiopian woman is our soul <clears throat> that has passed through death and is a symbol of the bride of the Lamb that also has experienced death and the sun uh, burned her skin. And so people that are of the flesh they do not receive what is from the Spirit of God. And of course, any kind of uh, element of, of racism of any kind is unacceptable in any way. The symbol of the clouds of the Heavenly Father filled with His moisture and filled with His or, and scattering His light, we are to. Uh, become the protectors of his nation from his wrath so that we could separate the dead from the living. Numbers 16, 42-48. Now it happened when the congregation had gathered against Moses and Aaron that they turned toward the tabernacle of meeting and suddenly the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of meeting and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Get away from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces so Moses said to Aaron, take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, but incense, put incense on it and take it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them, for wrath has gone out 
from the Lord, the plague has begun. Then Aaron took it as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the assembly, and already the plague had begun among the people. So he put in the incense and made atonement for the people, and he stood between the dead and the living, so the plague was stopped. Numbers 16, 42 through 48. Moses and Aaron uh, had responsibility before the nation of uh, for the nation of God and were for the nation a cloud of glory that scatters his light to scatter is overfill is overfilled with the wrath of the Almighty separate or separate the guilty from the unguilty protect the not guilty from the wrath of the Almighty pour out the cup of wrath of the Almighty upon the enemies pour generously the wrath of the Almighty upon the enemies scatter the enemies of the light by the power of the Almighty, drive out the enemies of the light with the fear of the Almighty. The function to scatter the light belongs to the person who God, whom God has placed in his church, the Church of Christ, to carry responsibility and be an intercessor before God so that he could separate uh, the guilty from the non-guilty in his midst and pour out the wrath of God where necessary. Jeremiah 6, 27 through 30, I have set you as an assayer and a fortress among my people that you may know and test their way. They are all stubborn rebels, walking as slanderers. They are bronze and iron. They are all corruptors. The bellows blow fiercely. The lead is consumed by the fire. The smelter refines in vain, for the wicked are not drawn off. People will call them rejected silver, because the Lord has rejected them. Jeremiah 6, 27 through 30. According to this place of scripture, to be a cloud of the Most High, that would be able to represent the virtue of his tower, and fortress amongst the nation to identify the stubborn rebels. We need to know the way of the stubborn rebels from the righteous. That's why you need this tower or fortress, considering that uh, the goals of a person that are his ways, that are his paths, a person is known by his ways that lead him to his goal. A person says, well, I have this great uh, goal. A person who is a tower in the church, or he knows uh, there's a way to a goal and, and not speak about great goals, but you have a way that you have to get to those goals. In other words, as the way of the rebels, as the ways of the righteous, these are the quality, uh, these are their characteristics or qualities of the characteristics, their hunger and thirst to be a pillar or to be a tower uh, so that the, by the fire of truth you separate the way of the good from the way of the evil, separate and get, reward the one and punish the other. The clouds of the Heavenly Father that are filled with His moisture and filled and scatter His light, we are called to become a refuge for uh, the poor and the needy, and especially people that uh, suffer from, uh, from their sins. 
And a cloud is a place where a church where we come to be free from this become freed from this tyranny. And this is possible in the service of justification only. And you can come out and confess uh, and repent for your sins. You first need to be poor and needy so that you can be free from the tyranny that uh, you are suffering from. And it all begins with your heart. Who are you? Are you poor and needy? When people come out to repent, this is a person that's poor and needy. So people, uh, uh, people uh, continually uh, are, are trying to make a decision in themselves. Should they come out or not come out to repent? They don't want to uh, go out with everybody else. Everybody will see or something else that they may think in their mind. And so 90% of these people are within the service of condemnation and not the service of justification. And it's very unfortunate to change uh, etern trade eternity for these temporary uh, uh, reasons that they have. One who is uh, poor and needy is, first of all, a symbol of our new person that is that is, is subject to the wrath. And so when we're talking about heat, we're talking about the wrath of God that pretty much reveals within our body the old person and it gives power to uh, the sinful desires within us. John 20, 21 through 23. So Jesus said to him, them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me, I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you give the sins of any, they are given them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. When a person represents uh, representing a father from God in the Church of Saints pro, uh, speaks about uh, repentance and forgiveness of sins and cleansing of sins. He is this refuge uh, for the poor and the needy. And he protects us from the heat and from other cataclysms. First John 1 John 1.9, if you confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the cloud of the Lord, again, uh, protects us from tyranny and... Uh, and so the, tyr the, the one, the tyrant that lives within me is this old person. And I can uh, cover myself from this tyrant and from his heat uh, in the church uh, in justification where your sins are forgiven. If we receive God's delegated one and are obedient uh, and listen to his voice, God then cleanses us from all unrighteousness and makes us an organic member of the cloud of the Most High, which will uh, then allow us to inherit the reward of the one that is uh, sent or delegated. After prayer, uh, the anointed one has proclaimed his liberty, proclaimed him free, 
He then has an organic membership to this cloud and the scriptures say who receives me receives you and he receives uh, he receives you receives me and who receives me receives the one who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward and he who receives a righteous man in the name of the righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple assuredly I say to you he shall by no means lose his reward. Matthew 10, 40 through 42. And so uh, the rewards that a person has, he will carry with him and bear upon his body, even when he uh, puts us, uh, if you know, when you put your crown down before the Lord, uh, they're going to remain upon you as uh, something that was given. And if you, whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water, and so when you say, what kind of reward do you have? I'm an apostle. Uh, do, are, do you have righteousness? Do you have other, uh, other qualities? No, 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 to everything. And so when it says they, uh, I give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones and so when a person makes the decision to acknowledge one person and listen to one person of course there's a price to pay when uh, you make the decision Sixth, uh, the cloud of the Heavenly Father filled with His moisture and scattering His light, we are called to become the place, uh, His place and His midst where God uh, puts His covenant and His, and his rainbow. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And as for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, every beast of the earth. Thus I establish my covenant with you, never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you. And so when we're talking about uh, the rainbow, we're not talking about as uh, that Lutherans and others are now hanging in their churches, unfortunately, that support. And 
And so a gentleman had burned the flag of a, of a, a flag, that, a rainbow flag that, uh, homo, uh, representing homosexuality, and they gave him 16 years in prison. If he would have burned the American flag, he asked, they would have given, and he asked the question, and they said you would not have gone to prison because you have the ability to self-express yourself because you have that freedom. And so with our mouth, God strikes as the sword of our mouth, he strikes. And and so today, things have, uh, have definitely changed on someone. And you see how uh, women uh, sometimes appear as men and men as women. And sometimes you'll see even the situation where a woman will be running a business just to pay the bills. And the husband will be sitting at home. It, just different situations that you see today that very different from before. And so the symbol of the ark with all of its inhabitants are one individual uh, saved person. And now we're talking about the rainbow and every individual person. The rainbow that identifies the law, uh, the rainy grace of God in the cloud, where God had made a covenant with all these people. This is a time when the law of grace uh, is enthroned in the heart of a saved person. And this is by righteousness that is obtained in the resurrection of Christ. The death of the Lord is the Ark of the Covenant, and he is clothed into the resurrection of Christ. The death of the Lord Jesus Christ is the Ark of Salvation. But you need to leave this ark so that you can enter into his resurrection. And this is so that you can allow the grace of God to rule within your heart by the means of righteousness. The ark of Noah is a symbol of salvation in the death of the Lord Jesus. And this is uh, salvation from the poured out uh, wrath of God upon the sons of of evil and, <coughs> and sin. And so to establish salvation that is obtained in the death of the Lord Jesus, it is necessary to come out of the ark so that you can enter into his resurrection, so you can <coughs> make a covenant with him. Uh, and all those who dwell in the ark, this our spirit, soul, and body would receive then salvation. Very interesting that we are born again. We save our soul in uh, the ark of, the, of Moses or, or of Noah so that we can, but we have to come out of this ark so we can receive uh, resurrection as we died, now we resurrect. And so the Ark of Noah, all the strikes were, uh, and all the hits were on, were on the Ark. Sometimes we're in the church and we hear uh, rain falling on the top. And 
And so, примерно, что такое находиться в смерти Господа? О, я прохожу через такие испытания. Дорогие друзья, мы никогда не будем ковчегом. Мы будем людьми в ковчеге. Все удары взял на себя Христос. And so we will never be the ark. We will be in Christ. Uh, uh, Christ uh, took all the hits upon himself. And so this ark, uh, and so when you're trying to take hits upon yourself, you are fulfilling Christ's role uh, because you will never be able to experience or go through what Christ went through. We in Christ uh, are in his death and his resurrection. And so when you see what hap is happening with Christ and how my sins are are hurting him and beating him or against him as with the ark. And so only our God was able to uh, take these hits upon himself. He took his only begotten son and he made, and he uh, went through these things, the suffering. And so it would be more comfortable that I come and talk to you in a harsh way. Or if you're standing quiet, or if they start saying something very harsh to your children, uh, then you're going to react. And you may not care so much if it's against you, but you will react if it's your children. And don't touch my child. Say it to me. How do you think the father was feeling when his son, uh, what they did with his son, what they did with him? He took upon himself the most painful uh, Route. The clouds of the Heavenly Father that are filled with His moisture and scattering His light, we are called to be raptured to God and His throne. <coughs> clouds participate here as well. Uh, Revelations 14, 6 through 11. Посему они, садясь, спрашивали его, говоря, «Не в сие ли время Господи восстанавливает царство Израилев?» Он же сказал им, «Не ваше дело знать времена или сроки, которые Отец положил власти своей. Но вы примите силу, когда сойдет на вас Дух Святой, и будете мне свидетелями в Иерусалиме и во всей Иудеи, и Самарии, и даже до края земли». Сказав всего, он поднялся в глазах их, и облако взяло его из вида их. И облако взяло его из вида их. And so remember the story about uh, when they were sitting together with the disciples and the cloud uh, took uh, Jesus up and took him away. And when the disciples were still looking upwards, two angels spoke to them and saying, why do you men of, uh, look up, up, to the, up to this cloud? At the same way that you saw the, uh, only Christ go upward, you will see him return in the same way. And so we see the second coming of Christ, it will be accompanied with great signs and miracles and will bring to, uh, make all men fear that uh, have not repented. And there shall be signs in the sun, in the moon, and the, in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations, with perplexity the sea and the waves warring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the power of the heavens will be shaken, then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Luke 21, 25 through 27. 
The symbol of the ascension of Christ into heaven and the symbol that we saw, and according to the words of Christ, he will return in the same way to take uh, the chosen by him remnant happened quietly, unnoticed, and without any noise amongst his disciples or in the presence of the disciples. Elijah was uh, taken the same way, quietly, unnoticed, only in the presence of Elisha and 50 prophets who stood on the uh, distant part of the Jordan and watched this happen. The rapture of the saints and meeting the Lord in the air is the coming of the Lord and the coming of Christ upon the earth needs to come, uh, will be the beginning of the uh, when we're talking about the coming of Christ uh, and taking his bride and then the, the coming of Christ when he comes to reign here for a thousand years. To be a cloud, you need to cast off your old person with his deeds, to renew your mind by the spirit of your mind and be clothed into your new person, created according to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth, which upon practice means you die by the cross of the Lord Jesus for your nation, for the house of your father, and for your fleshly life. When Elisha tore up his clothing that identify his old person and had put on the, ma uh, the mantle of Elijah. This gave him uh, the ability to destroy the stronghold of death in his body and by the cloud of the Lord to be led by the wind of the Holy Spirit. Second Kings 2, 11 through 15, then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. <clears throat> and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven and Elisha saw it and he cried out, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now when the sons of the prophets who were from Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. In this event, we see the symbol of the rapture of the chosen by God remnant and the symbol of the saints that represent the power of the Most High that, uh, and the men here on earth that receive power after the ones that have been uh, raptured. And so this is to destroy the stronghold of death in their body and to erect the stronghold of life in its place. <clears throat> in the parable of the ten virgins and the oil in their uh, vessels identified within their body the stronghold of life and the absence of the oil in their vessels was uh, testimony of the fact that there was an absence of the stronghold of life within their body. When we're talking about rapture as in the example of Elijah, and Jesus, these rapture, it was sudden. It was, their ascensions were sudden. Elijah, when he uh, lost his mantle, he received a new body. And when Elisha uh, 
saw this, Elisha saw the glory that was on him. Jesus also, when he was, uh, he had resurrected, he received the new body. And so the church that will be uh, raptured, they will uh, receive the new body. By receiving the preached word into your heart, you renew your mind and you clothe yourself by confession to the resurrection of Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great privilege to be in this place that your hand has appointed and that you have made a place of your worship. We worship upon this place. We thank you that this place is a place where your word is because upon this place there are people that are in the status of your clouds. We thank you that today your glory and your righteousness and justice they are in the place where your churches, where their service of justification, where there are your saints, your nation, the sons of peace. We thank you that you have allowed us to be submerged into Christ and clothe ourselves into Christ. And you have allowed us to put Christ into our heart. And we thank you for the great privilege to be your covering and to be your garment. We thank you that you have allowed us to be your mantle that breaks rocks. We thank you that you have allowed us to demonstrate your righteousness and your justice. We thank you because upon this place you have put your throne and the foundations of your throne are righteousness and justice. We pray that you can do what you have spoken from times of old and that promise that is revealed to us in your words by the power of the Holy Spirit about clothing the bodies, our bodies, into the resurrection of Christ. We pray, Lord, that before you rapture your bride, we want that by our confessions and the faith and faithfulness of our heart, we, you can clothe our mind, our spirit, our soul, and our body into the resurrection of Christ. And that today, with the mantle of your, with, of, your of your justice, you deliver us from the tyrant and uh, the heat of your burning holiness also. We thank you for this church, which is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we can come to this place and cover in it as in your tabernacle, which is your cloud. And upon this place, you can give us your justification. We thank you for that, for that great and wonderful service of justification where there's boldness that is based and founded upon love and your written word. We thank you that 
with this boldness, we have the right and the power to proclaim the non-existent in this physical world as existent in the spiritual world. We thank you for all of the promises that were given to us 2,000 years ago for every person, and we May your mercy be blessed and fulfillment of your promises for every individual person. We pray for your, we thank you for the promise, the resurrection of Christ, and may your mercy be a blessing in the life of every one of your people. We pray for your, we thank you for your promises. You said you and your house will be saved. May your mercy uh, be in this promise. We remember our children. We know all those that we carry responsibility for in our salvation, and we confirm uh, those as saved, all our children that we carry responsibility for. We thank you for the promise and for your truth that with your wounds we're healed, by your stripes we are healed, and you have sent your word, and your word has healed us and delivered us from the grave. We thank you that you have delivered your inheritance from the grave and from death, and so we ask you, and we come from the position of righteousness and justice that death depart from the tense of your holy inheritance, that death and all of its forms depart from the tense of your inheritance, and may all the works of death be destroyed and cursed and the works of the flesh, illnesses, poverty, untimely death, and ignorance, and all uh, self-will, may all of this uh, be destroyed and may depart from your people, your nation. We thank you that you have delivered us from hellfire. You have delivered us from condemnation. We thank you that we today belong to you and you have redeemed us, not just from hell and the curse of the law. You delivered us from ourselves. And so you have allowed us to be your belonging, your personal possession, and to be that tool within your arm, we confirm your righteousness and we confirm your justice here on earth. And we pray that in the service, your saints, that man of God, that today, and by whom you reveal your truth to us, may he be in clothed with your power so that he may bring joy to the islands, so that he may be a joy to all the earth. The word that gives us joy may become accessible to many hearts, those saints that live in sanctification and are your earth and are your many islands. You have many islands, and we pray that the word that we hear become a joy for all the earth. You said that Mount Zion is a joy of all the earth, all the earth upon which you dwell. And we pray that today the lawless and the wicked become afraid upon Mount Zion, that today Mount Zion be a stumbling stone for them, that all those in whom there's no faith because they cannot receive it upon God's conditions because they are resisting it, having an arrogant and hard heart that your Zion be freed from the evil and unfaithful and the lawless and disorderly people that do not have God's faith. Free your Zion and the time will come when you will free the whole earth and a the whole earth you will free together with Christ, together with Christ, 
when he, with the sword of his mouth, will strike the wicked one and all of his army. Today, Lord, you have given us a responsibility, and we, within the boundaries of your responsibility, proclaim your, ju your judgments. We thank you that today you can show your favor because we know that we need to demonstrate favor and forgiveness, forgive those who have offended us and not show our mercy to the wicked. We wait and we hunger for the revelations you have prepared for Sunday. We will receive it as a thirsty ground as a dried out desert so that this revelation can become uh, accessible to us and we can be clothed into your revelations and so that your clouds would not just cover us but we become an organic member of your godly clouds. May your holy name be blessed, the name of God. Father, God our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And let us finish with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.